Hello, and welcome back to another edition of After Further Review, live on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. My name is Alex Schuster, and joining me, as always, is a man who I'm honored uh, to call my friend and co-host, wow. the man, the myth, the legend, Vincent Hesperick. You've got me blushing here. What an introduction. Great to be here. First, I guess, official show of 2024, nearing our one-year anniversary, so... Yeah, a lot of nonsense has been said and much more will be said today, especially in what was an insane week at Wisconsin sports, Alex. Oh, yeah. In, what, the last 24 hours, we've had uh, a coordinator and a head coach fired, um, one of which uh, kind of out of the blue, the other one a little more expected, but both uh, huge stories, especially uh, for this region, but across the entire country as well. Yeah, sent shockwaves across the entire world. People in North Korea will be talking about the day Joe Barry got fired, I'm sure. It'll be a, a one to remember here, as always. <laughs> and uh, starting off our show, we, we like to do uh, a segment where we each give a take. The other one rates it. We call it uh, Rate My Take. Uh, oh, that's why we call it that. Very difficult to, to understand how we got there. But uh, we're spinning the wheel now to see who goes first. And it looks like it's going to be Vince again starting us off here. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Oh, it is me. It was right on the edge. We have a spinner this time because we're sick of me flipping random stuff. But... All right. Well, I guess it's kind of convenient that I'm going first because I'm here to talk about the biggest story in Wisconsin sports with the Bucks firing of head coach Adrian Griffin. And I'll, from the outset, it does not look like a very good move from like a, a first glance. Bucks with the second best record in the NBA, or sec, I'm sorry, second seed in the East, uh, in the midst of a, a bit of a winning streak where they've looked like the Bucks throughout this year from a first glance. But for people who have been following the Bucks this entire season, you have to say this isn't, although it was surprising that it happened this quickly and how soon stuff fell into place, I'd say overall the fact that Adrian Griffin is no longer with the Bucks is not entirely unsurprising. And I really think that he just lost the locker room. Uh, I've looked at it from the incidents that have happened. Stuff's kind of been piling up. And I have a quick recap of all of them. It's clear Adrian Griffin's a fantastic basketball mind, but uh, a whole lot of coaching is involved, creating relationships and communicating, and he just was not able to do that effectively. And I started before the season uh, when high-profile assistant Terry Stotts quit his job in large part due to disagreements with Coach Griffin. There was the incident where uh, he wanted all the coaches to get together, and Stotts are just like, I'm going to do my own thing, and they kind of get in like a, a miniature shouting match. But the fact they get in a shouting match or something like that probably means there's a lot of stuff boiling under the surface. Uh, it took just four games for team veterans to ask Griffin to change the defensive scheme back to their old Brook Lopez center drop coverage. Milwaukee allowed 130 points the game before the switch. The very next game against the Knicks, Alex, remember what happened? Uh, they won that game and they did. had a, a pretty good defen- defensive performance. Yeah, allowed just 105 points. Brooke Lopez had himself eight blocks in that game. Looks like stuff kind of getting better a little bit, but it almost has kind of gone in waves throughout this season. I'd say the next big tsunami was the in-season tournament performance where they were just lost against the Pacers, especially in that one of those final possessions where Chris Milter brought up the floor and then threw it to uh, John Cena, I guess, because no one was around and it went out of bounds. And Bobby Portis openly challenged Coach Griffin after the game, and it's a bit of airing of grievances. Uh, Giannis getting in shouting matches with Coach Griffin on the court, taking shots at him off of it. And players have basically been taking turns, dropping hints that this just wasn't working despite the record. And Giannis, I'm sure, is a big reason why he got fired. But I don't think he's – maybe there will be a point where he reaches the LeBron phase of just, like, trading people and making big demands. I really think that this was a, a team-wide thing. And the big problem has been defense. Now, look, you sub out Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, for Dame Lillard, one of the worst 
defenders, you're going to get a drop. But this is just unprecedented. Uh, Bucks fourth in defensive rating last year. Rating is uh, points allowed per 100 possessions. This year, 21st. So a chasm of a drop, despite still having Giannis, a defensive player of the year, Brooke Lopez as a runner-up. Uh, especially inside, they've struggled, which is surprising given the height and shot blocking ability they have. But it looks like, you know, when Coach Griffin was fired, that's kind of it's almost like when the rug was pulled away and everything was underneath. It's amazing just how fast everything leaks the second that something actually happens. It's always business as usual, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's chaos. And the big piece of information that I saw was that Giannis Brook. Uh, and Chris and Dame met with Coach Griffin to air some grievances, and Griffin reportedly told them that they have to sacrifice more. I mean, I read that. That raised an eyebrow for me because I was wondering, like, what does he exactly mean by sacrifice? When you think of sacrifice, usually you think taking less shots, right? Yeah, I mean, when, when James Harden went to the Clippers, he's like, I am the system, and I became like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? The same with the Nets. So I looked to see how they've been shooting this year compared to past years. I mean, Giannis had taken less shots than last year, despite being as efficient as he's ever been. Brooke has taken one and a half less shots per game, despite coming off a career year. Chris Milton, having the second most efficient shooting season in his career, he is taking his least amount of shots since his second year in Milwaukee, where he came off the bench for 19 games. And they did all this to make room for Damian Lillard, who despite being known as a pure number one scorer, hasn't been this shot averse since his third year in the league. And this is good that people are taking less shots. That means that they are buying in and they are sacrificing. So I think that when these Bucks players, I say these Bucks players like they're criminals, I love them so much. When they go to Coach Griffin and they're saying, like, look, we got to make some changes, he just says, we got to sacrifice. I think that the Bucks are much more focused on schematic change that they need, why they look so lost. And Griffin's just kind of saying, so, hey, we got to sacrifice. They can just point to their statues and be like, what are you talking about? We just, we're not understanding the system. And I just feel like that's an entire lack of communication. And this is where we get to what's happened recently. Over the past few weeks, the front office has been monitoring practices, and the article I read made a specific notice saying that the players noticed they were doing that. And it's you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out that they're concerned about the team's performance, and they're not about to move Dame Lillard or Giannis or any of the other players. The coach is the most removable part, unfortunately, for coaches, but fortunately for their uh, wallet because Griffin's going to get him a lot of money from the Bucks. They're also they're going to be on the hook for three coaches the rest of the season. But... Anyways, it was basically letting the players know that, look, we might fire your coach. And that, in my opinion, is when you see what kind of control a coach has over his team. Because you can go through the season, but when there's actual risk of your coach getting fired, that's when you see teams stand up and start fighting for the guy. We've seen it plenty of times before. It's yielded some fun results. I remember in Atlanta, it looks like Dan Quinn was going to be fired in any second. Then all of a sudden, they rattle off like a ton of wins down the stretch, and they kept him for another year. Of course, he was fired midway through the next year but we've seen teams they love their guy they step up for them they do their best they prove to the team that they want him around by getting those results well how the next three games go Uh, not great first one lost by 40 to the Cavs now it's easy to say well Giannis wasn't there but Alex I mean do you think a team with Chris Milton whose last healthy season was an all-star Brooke Lopez who's second in defensive player of the year and Dame Lillard you think if those three players were your core you could make the play-in tournament I would think so especially in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, we, Dame can just take over seemingly at will. He's certainly done it with the Trailblazers 100,000 times. So the fact that they lost by 40 points is, I don't think that got enough attention because the Pistons have not lost a game by 40 points this year. And yet a Bucks team who was still fairly talented 
without Giannis on their team just collapsed. It was a, it was, I mean, they got blown out at the start of the game, almost waved the white flag right away. And the fact that they struggled so much without Giannis shows that the coach just didn't have the ability to adjust rotations on the fly and create more dynamic uh, game plans. So they go to the next one. They get Giannis back. What do they do? Allow 135 points to the Pistons. The second most points the Pistons have scored all year. And they came against a Bucks team with a supposedly defensive coach. Uh, they came back next game, scrapped out a single-digit win to the Pistons. Reminder, this is a historically bad Pistons team. They're already terrible, longest losing streak in NBA history, lost their best player in Cade Cunningham. They're still giving the Bucks a fight, which we sh- usually we should be blowing out these teams by 20 minimum. If it's a 15-point game, you say it's closer than you want. The fact that these games were contested really says a lot. And then you add in the fact that they were supposedly playing for their coach. In my opinion, this was a signal from the players that, hey, we really just do not care for this guy's current system. We just disagree with the way he's doing things. And I'd say it's further evident by the fact that at the end of that game, players were drawing and calling their own plays. Did you see that? Yeah, I was hoping you were going to get to this eventually. Yes. Giannis, multiple times li- leading up to this, there's been instances of him kind of standing outside of the huddle and just kind of like zoning out. Mm-hmm. Not quite as much as like the uh, Jordan Poole incident where like he's just doing it egregiously. It's usually just him sitting down and, and taking a break, not really paying attention uh, to the huddle. And then in this case, he completely took over the coaching responsibilities kind of like that like uh when lebron was like quote unquote like the player coach yep. t- taking over Ty Lu, drawing up plays and everything he was sitting in in the huddle taking over in that situation i know once greg popovich let manu ginobili draw up a play and the spurs wound up hitting a game-winning three which i think is pretty awesome but this was not one of those situations this was a player kind of taking matters into his own hands now, with that being said, I want to say I think that Adrian Griffin is a good coach. Maybe not a great head coach, but a great coach, period. He has a ton of basketball knowledge, and when he was with Toronto, he partially engineered the same defensive scheme that shut down Giannis in that 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the, the wall was devastating, and that was basically an entire offseason. Uh-oh, what's Giannis going to do when they put three incredibly talented defensive players in front of him, in which we now know he can pass it to people who can shoot. Unfortunately, the year after that, we had Eric Bledsoe, who could not shoot, but then we got some people who could. We won a championship. Anyways, I have, as part of my job, I I talk to coaches fairly often. And something that I picked up on pretty frequently is that less than half of their job, this doesn't mean just BSing, they have told me this before, less than half of their job is X's and O's with the ability to build relationships and communicate ideas being far more important than your actual scheme. Buy-in is the most important aspect of coaching, and Adrian Giffen just didn't get it. Now, I'm not really saying anything truly dramatic here. It's basically just a recap. In fact, I just wasted the first 10 minutes of our show. But we need... In my opinion, you need someone who is the exact opposite of what we had with Coach Griffin. This is not a learn-on-the-fly kind of job. You're a first-year head coach. They can figure it out. This is someone who, this is one of the more veteran teams in the league. You need someone who can step right in. You need someone with experience with veteran teams who has knowledge of this Bucks team. Well, that brings us to Doc Rivers. Uh, now, it's a, a uh, it's much maligned hire, I would say, from the reaction I've seen. I don't mind it personally because it's a very small group of candidates here, and we've they mentioned that Doc Rivers has been an informal. Um, what's the word? Inform? Not informant. That's like stuff from the FBI. Like a consultant. Consultant. Thank you. That's what he was for the Bucks. So he has knowledge on the team. He's coached against the Bucks quite a bit. And look, I mean, I mentioned him being uh, consistent. Unfortunately, that consistency has been playoff losses. But I really think if you dig deep into them, he he's coached some of the more. I, I'll say. 
choke players uh, in recent memory. I mean, guys like Chris Paul, Paul George, and James Harden have choked before and after Doc Rivers. And many of those blown leads that came when Doc's team were underdogs. But for the most part, this wasn't a time to do a risky hire because we just did that and it didn't work out. So while it's not a flashy hire, it's not some young hotshot coach who's an up-and-comer, we got the exact opposite of that. And although it's not ideal, it's not very fun, it's the right move for this team and where we're at right now. I 100% agree. Uh, Doc Rivers was kind of the only option at this point. <laughs> uh, I know there was like everyone regretting not uh, bringing in Nick Nurse. Well, uh, I think I saw actually. Uh, did you see that about why we didn't hire him? I, I did not. Okay, it looks like that Adrian Griffin. There was a lot of talk that Giannis like liked him especially, which maybe that's true. But it seemed like an even bigger thing was he didn't like Nick Nurse. So it seems like Giannis kind of used the veto uh, on Nick Nurse, which is a bummer because I think they really could have been a great pairing, especially how the Sixers are looking. Yeah, and I, I think the way this next hiring goes is going to have a big impact on how Giannis is perceived by the media and fans at, overall of kind of how you, you started off talking about yeah. like LeBron being a firing head coaches, trading your entire roster away. Like yeah, making to the detriment of his reputation, you'd say. 100%. And I don't think he is quite getting to that point because even, like, no matter what you say about Coach Bud, he did get us a championship. But even leading up to that point, people wanted him fired even after that season. Yep. So him getting fired, I, I do think Giannis contributed to it, but I don't think he's the sole person to blame. I think Giannis, in this situation, as much as – Damian Lillard, like these are, are two of the top five, top ten players in yeah, the NBA right top now. Top ten brand, oh, at least. Oh, 100%. And to, not, and to not take in their consideration of, of saying, hey, we have issues with this guy over time and seeing absolute no change uh, on his part and even more stubbornness, <laughs> it makes sense that uh, you, you would go and make a move like this and, and part ways now before things trend in a worse direction because i mean watching this team they're good enough to sneak out wins but it didn't look like a team that was really ready to go on a playoff run and in those big moments especially the issues that we had with coach bud of when we need to make a transition and and change our game plan it didn't really seem to come as frequently as the fans would like yeah i mean it's also difficult to say okay so then what would you have done differently yeah and that's a good point I don't have the answer to that, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, we need to find someone who does have the answer to that. And, and Doc Rivers seems to be the guy that, that can at least get us into that situation. And when you have a player like Dame, like Giannis, that are clutch in those big moments, hopefully it can compensate a little bit uh, for the collapses that he's had in the past. So uh, I would grade your take a, a 9 out of 10 because I, oh, I, wow. I don't think there's another option here. I, I liked the breakdown and everything. It was a great synopsis of – uh, the last three months of the season. Yeah, I don't give takes. I just say I, I'm just your, uh, your your late news report. I'm going to spin it around on you a little bit here now. What would you rate the hiring? Oh, gosh. I, I just I don't know what other options there are. Now, I, I understand the idea of, hey, let's just bring back Mike Boonholzer. I think that as hilarious as that would be, I just kind of go back to even when the Bucks won the championship, I think of the – um, the, the Charles Barkley clip or during the playoffs where he said, I think the Bucks are going to win the championship. 
but they're the stupidest team I've ever seen. And I think that kind of rings true even a lot, during that Bud era quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Kenny Atkinson would have been available. Mike D'Antoni, maybe. But you see stuff like Jeff Van Gundy who hasn't coached in a very long time. I just don't want to – I want someone who – maybe Doc Rivers won't sail him to the promised land, but I don't think he's going to wreck the ship, at least in the regular season. And he has experience dealing with the caliber of superstar that oh, we yeah. have on this team. And that's, like you mentioned, a huge component of coaching, especially in the NBA, of – how do you manage these players? How do you get them to work together in the locker room and on the court uh, to set up the team for success? Yeah. I mean, would you? Can you think of anyone else who wanted the Bucks to hire? Because it just feels like the least bad option. I, I would agree. It's the safe choice at this point in the season. I mean, you kind of already assume that you weren't on pace. Uh, you were a contender, but not necessarily a favorite or uh, with. The way that your team was constructed, you, you knew the issues from the start of the season. And in this situation, you're kind of just punting on that and giving yourself a fresh start in the middle of the year. And I feel like there's a better opportunity for us to go further in the playoffs now than there was before. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's just clear that the record was deceiving. This team struggled against seemingly everybody. I feel like they weren't really winning games because of um, – like out coaching people down the stretch it was more just out talenting people it was almost like Lillard was like okay I guess I'm just gonna have to drop a ton of points in the fourth or Giannis will say all right I guess I'll have to go crazy here and pick up some points by myself I just think that it gives me hope though that we we nuked nuked the Celtics earlier this year even though yes they were very tired but the fact that when this team is fired up they can still beat any team in the league considerably. I, I'm not abandoning title hopes whatsoever, despite this not necessarily being the ideal start to the season. I mean, when you have Giannis on your team, I think you're by default a contender. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, do you think that we need to make another move with the roster we have right now, or was the, the coaching uh, change I enough? Just, I don't know who we can bring in. I mean, trade deadline's a little ways away. Obviously, you've seen, like, DeJounte Murray out there. I just don't know if we have the assets at this point to get Murray or someone like Alex Caruso. Is there anyone you can? I feel like Caruso would be the best one for the yeah. defensive side of things. I mean, it's it's really tough to find an actual defensive stopper or a perimeter defender that teams are willing to let go of. I yeah. mean, those are the guys that are going to help you in your playoff runs, maybe win you championships, and giving it a guy like that to a team like the Bucs. Yeah, is, like P.J. Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just think Caruso's too good, unfortunately, uh, which is a, a funny complaint. We need someone who's not good enough that they can, <laughs> we can get them for whatever scraps we have left. Because I saw we're trying to make a deal out of Pat Connaughton and campaign. I was like, I don't even know if that's a positive asset no, right there. I, I feel like a guy we need is what we thought Jay Crowder could have been when we traded for him. Yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, it would have helped at least the three-point shooting and maybe some defensive capabilities, but... I don't know. There, especially with the assets we have now, there's not a lot of options. I mean, we're we're kind of stuck with who we got at the top. And I feel like if you make a trade, you might even have to let go of Chris Middleton in that. Yeah, but is he even a positive asset? Because yeah. I love him. He might be my favorite Bucks player. Actually, he's just when, when he gets going, he's so fun. But with that contract, the long term, I think he'll be fine. Injury, I think he's much better this year than the stats say. But just with that salary, it feels like he kind of clogs up your team a little bit. And I feel like he's kind of in the Clay Thompson spot where, like, as a team, you would be not happy you moved off him, but you'd understand. Yeah. And 
for every other team, I don't think he adds the same value he does to that like hometown kind of organization. Yeah, so it's more valuable to us than anyone else. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, any final notes on this one? Uh, no, not really. I'm All just right. excited to see how this pans out. Yeah, I'm worried if we take a little tumble in the regular season, these next few games, uh, I think, is really going to determine a lot moving forward. I just don't want to have to have us battle back into the position we are right now. Yeah. Well, game one of the Doc Rivers-Milwaukee era begins tonight, and the fact that I just said that sentence makes me want to cry a little bit. <laughs> Alex, what take do you have for us? Uh, it's way too early for NFL mock drafts to be coming out. I, I saw my <laughs> first one today, and I, it's like the preseason ones. I think it's so stupid. We don't know the draft order. I mean, it, it's mostly settled out, but it's – this week and then two weeks from now are like the two biggest weeks of the entire season, the the three most important games of the entire year. And I understand there's certain organizations like Bears fans and, and pa- Panthers fans, or well, they don't even have a pick this year, but maybe Commanders fans or Patriots fans now that all they have to look forward to is this upcoming draft. Their team's not in it anymore, but just just hold off at least a couple weeks. Let us figure out who the Super Bowl champion is. Wait until... Maybe after the combine, maybe after a couple pro days, it's way too early for this. We we haven't had enough time to even really evaluate all the talent. The teams have been able to scout them throughout the year, but I feel like combine numbers and pro day numbers and all these interviews and stuff are really important for what team takes the the player that they're going to take. So predicting this stuff now, I mean, it might be fun for the the, the media, but at the same time, I think it's annoying because it's going to change in maybe a week, week and a half. It's going to be completely different. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm on my computer right now because I'm actually looking up stuff to totally agree with you <laughs> on this one. Maybe I feel like that because there's a lot of these guys, Daniel Jeremiah, who might be my favorite draft analyst. Do you have a favorite draft guy? I feel like there's just personality-wise, Mel Kuyper is the funniest. I mean, he the is. clips of everything with him, he, he has to be my favorite. But yeah, I love the this like have you seen a Frank Caliendo uh or he like okay this guy is uh he just pretends to be Mel Kiper and he has him like totally down so it's it's funny how seriously he takes it but that being said I talk about the seriousness because it's their jobs still I mean as soon as the season ends what are they really supposed to do though but Don't the remember. season's not over okay so you're you're definitely right I would say I'm with you 100 percent from now until. A week after the Super Bowl ends, because when the Super Bowl ends, you almost have to look back on the season. Give a, the a team their bit. praise yes, a little bit. Exactly, because imagine the Packers on the Super Bowl and the next day, front page mock draft has Caleb Williams <laughs> to the Bears. Uh, but I, I'm with you. See, and the best part is that we don't even have the draft order figured out right now. So it's more just saying, yeah, if this team's hypothetically picks that they, this spot, they'd hypothetically pick this person who we don't even know if is declaring for the draft yet. So. I, I'm with you for the most part. That being said, when the season is over, the the football the, the football is void in the off season because free agency is a couple days of fun, and then draft is the big thing. But yeah, when I look up NFL news and I see mock drafts, and I'm like, it's literally the championship game coming up this weekend. I, I'm with you. So overall, I, I think we're kind of see eye to eye on this one. Uh, we're a tick off, so I'll go seven out of ten. But um, Anna, sometimes I almost don't like the grades because I really love your take a lot, and, I, and seven does not accurately uh, showcase my respect. That's for why that we opinion. need the decimals. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll give you a seven point four three six. Okay. Do we want to do a Badger Sports update quick? Or? Is that what we're calling it? I, I think that's what we've been calling it. Should we change that name? Uh, yeah, we'll do it next week. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think we can quick. 
crank this out a little bit. Uh, so we'll start off with basketball. All things considered, Alex, yesterday had to be among the best days of Wisconsin basketball as a pair of border battle matchups yielded both some amazing performances for the Badgers and some heartbreaking results for Gopher fans. First on the docket was the men's team's matchup at Minneapolis where Wisconsin scrapped out a 61-59 last-second thriller. The win came largely due to grad student Tyler Wall, who needed just seven shots to put up a game-high 16 points. Bucky moved to 15-4 and and pushed an underrated Gophers team to 12-7. and Did you catch that game? Uh, I was unable to catch that game. Okay, but. that that's totally fair. I'm, I'm sure uh, you're, you're you're a very busy man, especially with classes starting up. I'm sure that's what you were doing, being productive, nonstop. Obviously, yeah. Uh, but Tyler Wall has been criticized by Badger fans. Uh, last year, he kind of struggled injuries, but uh, this year, I, I really think we're forgetting just how valuable this guy is because they would not have won this game without him. And it wasn't just that. He did it on so few shots. I think he was like six of seven. It was he was so timely. He hit a three pointer, which is the equivalent of I'd say Giannis hitting a three pointer in the clutch. Um, it's just I, I think he is. I mean, we talk about we talk about disrespected players. I'd say he's the most disrespected Wisconsin athlete. I believe that. I mean, the little shimmy he gets going when he when he gets a roll down low the the post moves are there uh, so sneaky athletic guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like him i i know the injuries were tough last year and uh i i feel like last season was a little bit of an underperforming year for the badgers but for him i i think the expectations got set too high he was very successful as a young player and he's grown into a leader on this team and i think he's incredibly valuable as a role model on the team and his on-court play it's sustained at about the same level he hasn't really taken any like massive leaps or anything like that so it's a little bit disappointing to see that but I think he is a consistent reliable player for the Badgers team yeah I'm with you he's, he's definitely a starter on this team um, seems like he'd be a good interview too as a team leader I like the beard he has I guess uh, he's nicknamed the Wolverine <laughs> I saw pretty slick and Anyways, an already fantastic night became exponentially better for Wisconsin fans when the women's basketball team, coming off of a three-game skid, tuned in maybe their best performance of the season. Minnesota entered the game 14-4 and while averaging over 75 points per game, yet shot just 34% from the field and route to a stunning 56-59 loss at the Kohl Center. Sarah Williams' 24.15 rebound performance drove Wisconsin offense. The win got Wisconsin back to an even record of 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, I was there for this one. Uh, it was so much fun. Uh, I got to mention that Coach Marissa Mosley gave a rightful big shout-out to sophomore Sanai Copeland after the game because the big matchup for Wisconsin was Mara Braun, sophomore for Minnesota, averaging 18 points a game. Uh, Copeland's defense was nuts, uh, held Braun to 3 of 13 from the field for just 9 points, including just about shutting her down for the most part in the fourth quarter. So very exciting game, but um, with that, I guess we'll probably head to a probably time for a quick break here. We've it's been a while since we're, we're still pretty rusty with stuff, but it looks like we've got this bumper just well, about ready to go. Are we gonna jump through uh hockey and football? Actually, why don't or? we make it a teaser because I'll probably spend a second on that. All right, so after stay tuned after the break, we got uh some more uh Packers conversations to wrap up the show, but we'll keep it rolling with the Badgers uh sports update. Hey Jay, what are you doing? I'm gonna walk. But Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. 
I'm gonna walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. <gasps> he really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember, you, you can't, can't walk if you're hit by a car. Welcome back. You're listening to WSU on 91.7 FM Madison. This is After Further Review, hosted by myself, Alex Schuster, and the man, the myth, the legend, Vincent Hesprick. Jumping right back into Badger Sports Update. Vince, you want to keep us going and, and tell us a little bit about the Badger hockey news? Sounds good. In hockey news, the men's team is coming off a stunning home draw against 3-14-3 Lindenwood, but they find themselves, or they get have them, so the ultimate get-back opportunity this weekend because the team is heading to Ann Arbor to play the 14th-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Now, I played them earlier this season. What was You were at one of those games, right? I was at one of those games, and it was one of the best games I've been oh to my in gosh, a long while. Oh, my gosh, series of the year. Multiple game winners. Hopefully it's uh, exactly like that. It was a, a nearly last-second goal uh, with within, like, five seconds, I believe, they scored yep. uh, to win the game. Uh, what a comeback. One, one of the best games I've been at. Um, yeah. Actually, hopefully it's not like that. I don't know if my heart can handle watching that again. <laughs> But despite the aforementioned draw, Wisconsin hasn't lost since November and is ranked number three in the nation. Meanwhile, the number two-ranked women's team upped the win streak to seven after a two-game sweep over Minnesota State. The 20-4 and four Badgers will head to Duluth to play the Bulldogs this weekend. Bulldogs beat uh, Wisconsin at LeBon the last time they played. Exciting matchup. And finally, in football, you know, Badgers struggled last year. A lot of attention how bare the cupboard was in terms of talent. Uh, not that we were a an untalented team just for Wisconsin standards, maybe a little subpar. And Luke Fickle looks like he's going to change that next year. Nine four-star prospects, 13 three-star, currently ranked 22nd in recruiting. In the transfer pool, we've done pretty well. Also, three four-star prospects, eight three-star, and that leads us to the 24th overall class in the nation. Not bad. And looks like there's going to be still more to come, knock on wood. But the fact that we are filling in such positions of need, got to feel pretty good for next year. Yeah, I, I feel like this was a, I mean, it was a transition year, obviously, and a big difference in this team was Luke Fickle bringing in a completely new system, and the way the team was constructed wasn't necessarily built to fit that system. I mean, we did bring in a lot of transfers to help kind of fill that air raid offense a little bit more, but we weren't really able uh, to be that successful throughout the year <laughs> with that offense. Uh, next year, a little bit more promising players uh, built in, with that system in mind, uh, kind of understanding uh, what we're building here in Madison now. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's going to be a really tough schedule, but I'll tell you what. Week one, taking on Bama. I'm not saying we're going to win. It's just going to be pretty cool if we did. Savingless Alabama, it would be so nice to hand them their first loss. Yeah, I love the joke that Nick Saban was so scared to play at Camp Randall that he retired. I'm, I, I'm sure I believe was he was. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. nobody wants to come into this this 
atmosphere at home. I mean, after about 10 minutes into the first quarter, yeah, we get loud. <laughs> so with that, we'll hop over to our laundry list where we each get uh, a chance to get kind of the more random things off our chest. We watch a lot of sports and have a lot of different things we like to talk about that maybe aren't worthy of a, a full segment. So uh, I'll start things off here. Uh, how much can you blame Josh Allen for the Bills' playoff loss? I, I think there he didn't have any turnovers this entire postseason, which I, I think is pretty good for him. But at the same time, I think you still got to put some of the blame on his shoulders. The way he plays, it, it's still that gunslinger mentality, still – uh, a little questionable with the decision making, uh, kind of stepping up and at the end of the game taking over with his legs, but not really being that guy throughout the entire game. And then also just being super reliant on the long passes rather than kind of methodically being able to work the ball down the field and, and get a sustained drive going. Uh, so I, I kind of want to leave it up to you. I think that you should be able to put some blame on him no matter how well you play. What percent? I think you. A, not quite 50 percent maybe 45 percent uh another good 50 percent you probably got to put between the the, co- the coaching staff and the kicker I think are the two biggest ones outside of that the kick uh I mean from Bass such a great kicker yeah definitely a, a t- terrible timing for him to to miss one there and wide right of all places <laughs> to miss trolling. it uh but the coaching staff I think also just made a bunch of questionable decisions I, I know uh People are saying DeMar Hamlin checked in to that sneak on, uh, what was it, like fourth and eight, trying to run the ball uh, for the fake punt. It was bad either way. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the wrong call no matter how many men you had on the field. There was no way they were picking that up. And there were so many other chances that, that where they went for it on fourth downs or set them up in positions by just airing the like going – deep bombs instead of trying to work the ball downfield control the clock a little bit more where I think they would have been able to win that game it, it felt like a game that they should have won and I, I don't feel like the pressure should be all and the blame should all be on Josh Allen but I, I feel like you do have to factor that in a little bit and, and he shouldn't be totally absolved of, of losing that game yeah I'll go 40 percent uh, I would say 45 percent I, I, I need to act like we disagree on this stuff but yeah I mean two rushing touchdowns for him no turnovers to your point but still 39 pass attempts, 186 yards. You want to average at least seven and a half, or at least seven yards per pass attempt is solid. Jordan Love was about seven and a half. And 4.75. That's just like rushing numbers with the inconsistency factor with, in, with incomplete passes. So, that being said, the drop deep bombs were funny, kind of from an outside perspective. But as someone who's cheering against the Chiefs and who has Josh Allen on a playoff fantasy football team, that. It, it, it hurt pretty bad. But, yeah, I just feel like the Chiefs just kind of I, – because I, even if he makes that kick, I think Mahomes goes right down the field and breaks their heart even more. Oh, 100%. It, it sucks because you're playing such a great guy in Mahomes. Like, he is arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best quarterback of all time already. Whoa, that's, that's I mean, a take. It, it's hot, but this is the worst team that he's ever had. He's still back in the AFC Conference Championship. And I'm, there's another element of this is – the AFC just bad, or is Mahomes that good? I, I think it's just Mahomes is that good, uh, but we'll find out against the Ravens. Um, and I mean, Josh Allen, how many times are you going to get in this situation where it comes down to the end of the game and Mahomes just steals <laughs> away from him? Uh, I, I feel like at some point it, it's just Mahomes just owns him, and it, yeah, this is forever so going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, almost owning him just as bad as the Packers own the Cowboys, but an own nonetheless. 
Uh, I want to jump through mine here. Uh, Jalen Brown had one of the filthiest plays we've seen this year. Jalen Brown of the Celtics uh, crossed up Luka Doncic, and it was it, it, it was an absolute highlight. It was basically like the stuff you see in basketball movies where he gets by the the bad villain guy who I don't know. Uh, I want to make up something. What was something cliche in high school? Who knocked the notebook out of his hands or something? Took his lunch money. I don't know. Anyways, it was a disgusting crossover nonetheless. And I guess the Mavericks stadium crew agreed because they decided to show the replay over the Jumbotron. Uh, Alex, let's just say the other team hits a game winner, or a buzzer beater game winner. Do you replay it or no? I feel like for a game winner, you have to. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, they got to review it to see if like when it left his hand and all that stuff. Like those plays, yes, but if your franchise MVP candidate player is going down, you you don't need to clip that and, and play it again. I didn't even think of that. That it was like the franchise guy. Yeah, I know, I know Tim Hardaway was mad that they had it on that you could hear him like mic'd up saying like "Get that blanky blank off," and yeah, I, I I didn't even consider that. It's it's not just any player. It's Luka Doncic. So glad we're in agreement on this one. And back to you, Schuster. Uh. But- I'll go quickly through this one. Just Formula Team, Formula One team names are ridiculous. They they've got some new sponsors this year, and uh, one of the teams before was uh, AlphaTauri, which I, I think they might still go by on the graphic. But their official team name is now v- Visa Cash App Racing Bulls, <laughs> which really rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Um, I I think it's ridiculous. I mean, there's always been like weird sponsorships in the official team names, like. Mercedes is like Patronus, AMG, something or other, not actually Mercedes. But then when they put it on the graphic, it'll just be Mercedes because that's what people remember it by because that's like the official manufacturer of the car and everything. But uh, another one is instead of uh, Alfa Romeo, they have uh, Stake F1 Team Kick Sauber. That's actually Um, my rap name. Yeah. Just so. I mean, it just sounds so terrible, and I, I don't mind the sponsorships in there. It's a very expensive sport. you got to pay for it somehow, but it just sounds so, so bad, and, and so many people have been making fun of them for it. Realistically, it's probably not going to change that much of like the graphics and anything. Like People are never going to actually reference these teams by that name, but I do think it's very funny that that's what officially uh, goes on the card when they're, they're re- like registering the Formula One teams for the season. So is this multiple sponsorships on one team name. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that, that that is so funny i can only imagine like the future like the the buffalo wild wings costco macy's walmart mcdonald's so are. i'm not 100 percent sure but i think cash app and visa are kind of oh, paired together a little bit but yeah. i don't know that steak and kick they are yeah they? that was that's what yeah. made me think of that but just imagine because i know like just sports teams like all right, Packers on three. One, two, three, Packers. Just like, all right, guys, put your hands in. Visa Cash App Racing Bulls on three. <laughs> just, I'm with you 100%. Does not roll off the tongue at all. And, I'm, like, again, they have to pay for it somehow so that, like, there's always been the advertisements all over, like, the decals for the the cars. And historically it was stuff like cigarettes and Marlboro and yep. all these other companies, which they've moved away from. So I'm glad they got away from that a little bit. But now it's just all random, like, Esports and, and gambling <laughs> companies. Oh man, I'm I'm with you on this one 100. It's very funny, <laughs> but I'm sure if I was a diehard fan of F1, I wouldn't think it's as funny. Uh, r- real quick, we want to talk about the Timberwolves. 
sometimes when you play 2K, especially in my player, you start getting some points. You start, like, stat pad on. You know, it's not like how real basketball works. Or is it? Carl Anthony Towns on the Timberwolves had 44 points of the half on 15 of 18 shooting. And it looks like that not just him, but his teammates are on a mission to feed him as many points as possible. Uh, I wanted to finish with 62, but in the second half, often reckless shooting, 6 of 17 from the floor. And, oh, by the way, they lost to the Hornets in that game. So I wanted to quickly give a shot to the Timberwolves for that, what I would call stat padding. It, it feels like that their coach, uh, Chris Finch, he kind of said, because Carl Anthony Towns wasn't even on the floor to close out the game because he was so cold. Actually, I think it was a defensive possession. I don't want to speculate. But they did bench him. Yes, that that's the key thing. So that goes to show that um, it looks like the goal should always be winning. If you're Because having 62 points and plus zero on the game, I'm not a big plus minus guy, but that seems pretty rough. Yeah, very rough. And I heard that they they saw how much Joel had and they wanted to outscore him, which I think is a ridiculously childish thing yep. to do in an NBA game. I mean, it would be so fun to like it feels like some sort of like playground like game <laughs> or whatever, like only let this guy score. Like, let, let's see how many points we can get this guy. Well, Timmy has 11 points. <laughs> I want to get 12. It's so frustrating. And like the, even the head coach came out and said, like, how immature that was as an NBA team. Like these are grown men supposed to be playing a professional game, and their entire goal was just to see how many points they could get. Uh, one, would you even say he's the star of the team? No, I, I think Anthony Edwards definitely is. So I, I don't understand why they chose to go with Cat. I mean, he was having a great night, but I feel like the priority always has to be winning, and it's kind of embarrassing. That they're just doing this stuff, like yep. it's, it's like you're playing a video quests. game and you're just trying to yeah, collecting oh, achievements, your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they forgot about the main storyline. All right, well, Alex, uh, your final one segues pretty well into our final segment here. Uh, surprising news out of Green Bay. Yeah, uh, Joe Barry has been on the hot seat since he's been hired in Green Bay, um, <laughs> and finally uh, relieved of his duties as defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, a Somewhat surprising move based on the way that the team ended the season. Uh, probably their best uh, defensive performance overall uh, since Joe Barry has been hired. Yeah, not that we're disagreeing with the decision. No, not at all. I mean, leading up the, the first 14 games of the season, he was absolutely atrocious, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. But then to end the season, uh, played pretty well all the way up through the first half of that Cowboys game. Uh, I, I mean, the worst part was is just the way he did it against some of these atrocious Tampa. teams yeah tampa what was it carolina and the giants yep. all in a row giving up like 27 points a game uh so i i was surprised he wasn't let go after that run they were able to turn it around maybe uh an attempt to save his job but too little too late and now we got a little bit more of an opportunity to, to look at some of these high profile defensive coaches that are available right now um uh, Ideally, Vince, who who do you think we should bring in? Uh, ideally, perfect world, Ezra Evro, the the uh, coordinator for the Panthers. He managed the Broncos when they had Nathaniel Hackett. If you remember that, it what made that their or how bad the Broncos team was even funnier is that their defense was incredible that year. Uh, he led that defense. Uh, Panthers also sixth in yards uh, near the top in all the per play metrics. A lot, a lot of points, but I think that's because their offense gave them some the other team so many opportunities to score. Uh, but it looks like the Jaguars earlier this month tried to interview him, and the Panthers blocked it. looks like they're going to keep him. 
So I guess if I had to guess, it's going to be Wink Martindale, the Giants guy. And if I had to choose because I'm a homer, I'd say Jim Leonard, who turned down the job before. So I did read a little bit of a story about this earlier of like them pushing for it a little bit more, trying to make him one of the candidates in here. But I, I Leonard? Think, yeah. but Officially? I, I don't know if he's officially a candidate, but I, I think But he's being that, listed. Yes. Okay. As, I think it might be more of a fan type thing of like ideal world. Same yep. thing that I had been saying for the last couple of weeks of, oh, it'd be so great if we could bring him back in. <laughs> but I, I don't – so do you think he's going to be able to translate to the NFL and like step up as a big coordinator? Because I feel like – you need to have a little bit more uh, like authority and like experience in the role before stepping up and like yeah. taking over a team like that. But Ezra Evro is very young as well. We're seeing young coaches come in, especially Sean McVay. He was younger than a lot of his players when he first came in. Now Evro is forty three. I think Jim Leonard is, uh, as I frantically Google it, is forty one. So he has a track record. I don't think that'd be a problem, especially because it's not like he's just a complete unknown. He's coming in with what were some probably one of the more underrated defenses in college football history with those Wisconsin teams. Near the top, they did play Big Ten West teams, so that probably helped. But, yeah, I, I think it can translate. I mean, would you be okay with that? I would be all right with it, yeah. Right. But one thing I want to say before we jump into our final segment is that I talked before at the top of the show about how you can see how players respond uh, what they really think of a coach through how they respond to that coach's job potentially being in danger. We saw how the Bucks kind of wave the white flag with Adrian Griffin. Or Griffin. Uh, after that Buccaneers game, uh, the Giants game, the pa- the Panthers game, people are like really clamoring for Joe Barry to get fired in the middle of the season. And how did the Packers respond? They put up their best performances of the season. So by all accounts, Joe Barry is just an awesome dude. Um and you've seen multiple Packer players, especially David Bakhtiari, talking or speaking out, saying that, look, he was a really cool guy. We love him a lot. And that team fought hard against the 76ers, especially on defense. That being said, it felt like at the end, when their energy was matched by San Francisco, they just walked down the field and scored on the Packers. But um, I, I I tip my cap to Joe Barry. Yeah, uh, thank you for your services and wish you the best of luck. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And with that, Alex, jump into our final segment here. Yeah, just a, a little reaction. We had uh, last semester a, a segment that was on and off uh, based on the performance of the team, yep. uh, <laughs> Packers <laughs> grades. <laughs> uh, and instead of that, we're going to kind of go through and just uh, give awards uh, for these, uh, uh, what do we have, eight different awards uh, that we're going to go through and assign. Uh, so starting off, we have Offensive MVP, I think this is a no-brainer here for me. Uh, I had Jordan Love. Yeah, I had Love as well, especially with their progression. Just, you, you, I mean, just hypothetically, if Aaron Rodgers after last year said, you know what, I'm coming back for the Packers, I've got unfinished business, he came back and had uh, was second in the league in touchdowns, uh, had himself, I think it was like, what was it, 30, 35 total touchdowns, 11 picks, you'd say, and beat the Cowboys and then lost the 49ers, you'd say, yeah. I mean, that's a classic Aaron Rodgers year. Lost to the 49ers. Better than the, the year before, too. Exactly. So I think that's, we we asked for something. Hey, just don't mess it up. And it's incredible that he didn't, especially given that it looked like he did to start the season. So I, I can't say enough. I could talk for a full hour about Jordan Love. Just awesome. And uh, defensive MVP, I think this one also a no-brainer for me. I went uh, Rashawn Gary. Yeah, I, I also – Went with him. Uh, actually, I considered Keyshawn Nixon. He's he was solid plays. as well, yeah. But, but g- give me your Gary analysis here. Well, I mean, 
the experience and the playmaking, just the the pressures that he put on, especially at the end of the season when he was turning, like as our defense started to turn around, I think he was uh, one of the bigger factors in getting our defense to step up. And uh, I mean, we have a lot of talented defensive players, and uh, I think he really just shined the most throughout the year, most consistently. Yeah, he didn't have a ton of sacks down the stretch, but still a lot of pressures, to your point. Uh, kind of became a leader, especially you look at those locker room videos. He's always in the front of the crowd, hyping people up. Just loved it. We'll jump into Rookie of the Year. So many great options for this one. I, I went Jaden Reed. I, I think he was our most talented uh, rookie wide receiver, uh, which is even that is competitive in itself. Um, but for me, it just I think he, he's our most promising wide receiver, and uh, I, I want to give him Rookie of the Year. I I would usually give it to Jaden Reed. I just think that the offense is um, – explosion coincided perfectly with giving more playing time to Dontavian Wicks just such a fun receiver love the route running not take anything away from Jane Reed he was unbelievable I just think that the timeliness of Dontavian Wicks's plays they got to give him a super slight edge so to see both of them if we can skip around a little bit here I had him for my most improved player because starting off the year not really in the rotation as much but ending the year as a a critical player so I mean I had love but I really think that because love when love was the obvious choice there, yeah so i was trying to like go past him well but. i think you made the right choice because wicks went from and by the way wicks would not be seeing the ball at all if aaron Rodgers was the quarterback oh, never. in my opinion so in fact he went from nothing to really good i don't want to say nothing wasn't playing to that and then you compare it to love who's going to play the season no matter what he had plenty of opportunities wicks had to earn his so i really like that alex thank you <laughs> uh, so getting back on track here our favorite game of the year I'll let you go first with this one there, there's plenty of great options especially down uh, towards the end of that season oh yeah down the stretch so many fun games from a fan perspective a lot of highlight plays still going to week one against the Bears that's all I wanted from the Packers was Bears fans getting awfully excited that their check down merchant Justin Fields had a solid preseason thanks to um, DJ Moore's run after catchability but I was actually a little bit worried about the Bears. I was I was concerned. You know, they're fired up, brought in some young players, and just seeing us not just beat them but firmly demolish them, it was the most entertaining for me. So I would have that as my number four on my Mount Rushmore. Then I think just before that I would put our uh, week was it seventeen game against uh, the Bears. Vikings. Oh, seven. Yeah, you're yeah, right. and Sorry. then week. Uh, 18 against the Cowboys, was, or uh, excuse me, week 18 against uh, the Bears was my uh, number two because that one, again, not as dominant of fashion, but also uh, clinching the playoffs for yeah. us was, was pretty huge. Uh, also at a home game, so you kind of expect to win that one a little more. So I, I understand uh, going on the road to start off the season like that, why you enjoy that game so much. But by far for me, number one overall, <laughs> going – on the road, first seven seed to ever be the two seed in the playoffs. Packers over the Cowboys. Just one of uh, my favorite experiences ever, sitting, watching that game. Throughout the entire game, Jordan Love just ha- having one of the best uh, performances a QB's had in the playoffs, especially on the road. Uh, just phenomenal dream highlights of the, the, oh, the yeah. way thrown up, like under pressure, off the back foot. Uh, into coverage, whatever it might be, that he he made all the plays throughout the game, and 
for me, that was my favorite one of the season. Yeah, not a bad answer at all. It just I was just so excited to be there. But this, the one that I had the most emotional investment outside of the 49ers game when I got to the fourth quarter, we had a chance, was the Bears game. Uh, no wrong answers, just so many fun games. Another honorable mention, Thanksgiving against the Lions. Oh, I don't yes. know how I forgot about the that one. The turkey leg crisis. Oh, so fun. I like how I'm reminiscing like this was like 10 years ago <laughs> and not like a month. All right, two categories left here. Got some fun ones to go. Or no, one. No, two. No, two. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, do you, we'll go most fun to watch. And this one, I, I kind of do it as a gag. Uh, Quay Walker, just because I had him every single week as uh, my, my <laughs> player grade. And I spent a lot of time watching him this season. Towards the end of the year, not as fun to watch. But definitely at the beginning of the year, one of uh, the key players in our defense. Even throughout the year, he was still there, but uh, not quite the high the level of production and growth I was expecting to see from him throughout the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, very fun to start. I'm going to go Jane Reed, though. Uh, the, the the breakaways were awesome. So I, I think that's the right year. answer. No, you... Uh, <laughs> I mean, mine's a, a situational yeah. one. Yeah. All right, and then finally, the I heart and soul. I think we actually have uh, two more. We have favorite play. Oh, favorite play. I missed that one. All right, Um. well... I, I know what my favorite play would be also in the Cowboys game, that, that touchdown. The Wicks touchdown? Yeah, that, that one was just a dream play. I want to see the, uh, what is it, the like percentage of catch throughout yep. that throw. I'll buy into I it when it helps the Packers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, oh, my gosh. Third seven, back foot. Yeah, I was listening on the radio driving back from uh, one of the hockey games in Madison. Yeah, it was such a privilege to listen to just how excited Wayne Laram he was. Sitting in the living room with my entire family, and then that happened. Everyone was just on their feet, freaking out. That's awesome. Watching the replay of, like, oh, my gosh, like, jaw on the floor. <laughs> How did he make this play? I got two. Christian Watson mossing Ladarius Sneed was unbelievable in the Chiefs game. Uh, Watson struggled on the year, so just seeing that was just awesome. It sucks that he got hurt, though, at the end of that game. But I got to go with the Quay Walker pick six against oh. the Bears. <laughs> he turned into a running back, and he just trucked him over. It it, the game was already over. It was just insult to injury, and I loved it so much. So I was so worried that the karma was going to flip on us with that. Uh, was it Fred Warner or uh, who had the 49ers, the interception oh, at the shoot. end of the game uh, when they were just running all over the place and just refused to go yep. down? I was so scared that the karma was going to go against us Greenlaw. in that one. Trey Greenlaw. Greenlaw. When he had the ball running all over the field, it kind of reminded me of the start of that play. He just needed to truck at least one or two more people and then <laughs> make his way into the end zone to match up with it. There you go. And final category here, heart and soul. Why don't we say ours on three? Because, I mean, anyone who's watched the Packers this entire year knows who it should be. One, two, three, Jordan and, Jones. Oh, I gave him Jordan Love. Oh! I, I, th I think – he grew as a leader okay. throughout the entire I season. I, I think he is going. To, he is the heart and soul of all Packers fans. I give him all my love, Jordan Love. <laughs> they don't even know we exist. It's a funny thing. I go Aaron Jones. I'm I, so glad he's back for next year. But I awesome think season. Can't go wrong with that option. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was after further review on WSUM.